You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show where we are nice, we are humble, we are mean. I guess it's it's a great big stew of sports talk radio realities. And we're going to bring you a bunch of stuff over the next two hours as we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket Can. It's Friday again, which means it's bum of the week again. And we got some really good candidates. Looking at you, Aaron Donald. You're saying to yourself, wait, 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 wait. Reigning Super Bowl stud, champion, return, top of the... How can that dude, writer, possibly be bum of the week? Well, we'll explain. We'll get a little preview. 15 or 20 minutes. Keyword, fight, keyword, practice, keyword, don't swing helmets at other people. Multiple keywords. What's a keyword, you ask? It's how my wife communicates with me. She get take the kids to school, pick them up from school, I'll be working, I'll get a text, keyword, stomach, face, corn, water. I, okay. Did some of the kids set up a bar and do shot? What are we talking about here? So we got some keywords for you. Uh, one of you... We like it when, when, when you shape the show. We want you to be a part of the process. Well, I do. D-Cell calls it his show, so I don't know. But I do. Uh, sports writer, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R on Twitter, where one of you asked a question about people on sidewalks and bikes, bicycles. Can you address it? Might seem random, but if you listen to the show, you know we go down some rabbit holes. And we're going to go down, we're going to pedal our way down that rabbit hole in about 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, D-Cell, I got you. You can also call us at 855 855- 2124CBS. Uh, there is, you've probably seen this, something really ugly that we need to talk about, that we will talk about. Accusations against the punter of the Buffalo Bills called the punt god out of his time in college. We'll hit that in about 20 or 25 minutes. Uh, Kurt Heelan will be on the show to talk some of the drama out there. Here's the latest. A report that the Lakers might just send Russell Westbrook home. We hate you so much, just don't show up to work. Who am I going to judge? I had that deal once. Not going to lie. It was pretty great. It wasn't just me. It was like everyone that worked at the place I worked at. I already had a job lined up, so it's a lot easier to enjoy it. We're like, I guess I got six months off. I'm Russell Westbrook. Not as good as I think I am. Uh, Buyer Sell is coming up in an hour and a half with D-Cell. Another really strong one. He even put some soccer in there because UEFA. I don't know what that means, but but still helped me out. Uh, UEFA did uh, their Champions League draw, and as I mentioned, bum of the week. All right, so I'm a weird guy. You know that if you listen to the show, and I appreciate you doing that on the free Odyssey app, whatever excellent affiliate you're a part of. Thank you for being here. And I spent a lot of time contemplating all-time greatness and the rankings of, of athletes because I just think it's interesting. My wife makes fun of me for ranking things, and those friends of mine that I've met, mostly doing television who play professional sports, make fun of me in a real way. They hate the ranking conversation. Even though if you get a beer in them privately, they had a real strong opinion. And I'm doing this top 100 list for, for the NBA for uh, CBSSports.com, so I've been thinking about it. And even before I heard Charles Barkley on the radio in Arizona, I was thinking about the common, like what are the commonalities between Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. It's harder in baseball to peg 
who those guys are, but let's just go like among the best players of their generation. I, Greg Maddox, for me, is on that conversation. Mike Trout's on that conversation. I know that there's been some injuries now, and he's not been the same level, but still, uh, the way that he's played. Clayton Kershaw at his best. And one of the things that struck me, and there's a few. I mean, one is either having to overcome doubts or in Jordan's case and LeBron's case, having to manufacture the idea they were doubted. But a, but a chip on the shoulder in a good way, right? In a, in a I got to prove the world wrong. But also, there's a common string here of joy, of just loving the game. And some of these guys are nice guys that I mentioned, and some of these guys are, are edgy. I mean, Michael Jordan punched people in the face in practice and had an edginess. But I, So I don't mean joyous in the sense, I don't know what they're like with their kids, their girlfriend, their buddies, their parents. I'm saying... In the sport, in the game, there's a joy that's a part of the competitiveness. And those of you that work for a living, I guess that's most of you, maybe all of you, know that working in any job at times can suck. It can. I love my job. It doesn't mean every day is great. But I love what I do, and that makes a big difference in my life than when I had jobs where I didn't love what I did, which, which happened when I was a newspaper writer at the end of that, at the end of that run for me. And the people that like their jobs most days, right, they're happy, they aren't miserable human beings, make it easier to work with and be around and be successful. And Barkley hit on something on Kevin Durant that to me was just the light went off. For all Kevin Durant's problems that we've talked about, and the guy's an all-time talent. I don't know if he's an all-time player. You know, he's probably top 12. The guy is thin-skinned. He's a freeloader. He took the easy way out. He blames everybody else. And look, I like the guy. I like the guy a lot. But it doesn't change everything I just said being true. But the real thing he's missing is joy. Is just being happy in his world, in his life. Even Aaron Rodgers, who I would argue is the most, I was thinking about this too, might be the most interesting athlete in sports right now. I'm just fascinated by the guy, what makes him tick, what he's about, what he's going to do for the Packers, end of his career. Even though he makes people around him miserable, I, I, he loves the game. And how often does he even try to trick himself into, like, it's about love, it's about friendship, it's about loving Devontae. He's, okay, he's got to leave so I can make my money, but I love him. Being happy, finding a, a way not to be miserable matters. And Barkley, on the radio in Arizona hit on first before the, the, the key point about Kevin Durant and the kind of thing that can bring down any remarkable talent, that this dude, Durant, has not lived up to the massive opportunities and expectations of his talent and his career. You pick it back on the Warriors to win his first champion, two championships, <laughs> but if you go back and look at his career, as the best player and being a leader that all goes with that, he's been an abject failure. I mean, every time he's been like the guy who has to be the leader and the best player, uh, he has not had success. It's true. And that's what us old guys think about him. Arizona Sports 98.7 with, with the clip. And then here's the money shot. And I know I've already told you, but nobody can say something as compellingly and with as much charisma as Charles Barkley. I would love to just have, a, have Barkley on the show or on some TV show and just describe the most inane things on the face of the planet. Like, describe putting on pants. I bet it would be the most fat... Whoa! He went left leg, then he went right leg. The guy's amazing. And and he's honest, which is rare. And what he's going to say about Durant here, I think, is really interesting as it relates to Kevin Durant in the NBA. But it's a bigger thing 
about one of those ingredients we never talk about in these athletes who often succeed or fail in the margins. Being a miserable you-know-what is not good in the high-pressure, high-stakes world of professional sports. He just seems like a miserable person, man. I call him Mr. Miserable. He's never going to be happy. You, you know, you got every – I mean, everybody's giving him everything on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was a man in, in, in Oklahoma City. They loved him. He owned the entire state. And then he bolts on them and goes to the Warriors. He wins back-to-back championships, and he's still not happy. He goes to Brooklyn. They give him everything he wants, and he's still miserable. That's why I call him Mr. Miserable. <laughs> You got you got to find some joy in the world. Think about some people out there, the massive talents in sports, who have underperformed or imploded. And you look back and you think a huge part of that guy's makeup was he was clearly just a miserable. What he called Mister Miserable. Here's a, Antonio Brown, who you've seen from the outside, and I've interviewed several times on TV. Obviously, an unhappy guy. The the athlete I, I hate most on the face of the earth. And look, I understand. I'm not supposed to. I actually am supposed to say it, But people, my wife gets mad. People, well, you can't say you, you don't know Jay Color. I don't know Jay Color. Jay Color might be, you know, I don't know. The, the Robin Hood of emotional connections with people. He might be the greatest guy on the face of the earth. He might be the best neighbor. And Is he married? I don't think. I can't. He's divorced. Girlfriend. Boyfriend. Ex-husband. Doggy daddy. You know? Pal that'll give you a smoke when you're. I don't know. I hate him. Jay, I hate you so much because of sports. That's it. I don't know you personally. Detail looks uncomfortable. What a, that guy was so miserable, so miserable. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who who Kareem's incredible, and I've talked about the fact that I had the opportunity as a reporter in Kansas City once randomly to spend I don't know twelve hours with the guy when he was inducted into a Hall of Fame they have there, and spent a lot of time talking to him, and it reinforced what you've read, that the guy didn't always love basketball and didn't love everything that came with it. An unhappiness there. Kyrie, miserable, miserable dude. On the baseball front, and D-Cell, if anybody pops into your mind, just throw it out there. Alex Rodriguez, how often did that guy just seem... And and I'm not a big A-Rod guy. There was a bit of a turn there, but when J-Lo moved on from my head to emotionally too, right? I have to... I had to ride with J-Lo. I'm sorry. So Ben Affleck's back now for me. But as a ball player... One of the things about Alex Rodriguez and about Jay Cutler and about Kyrie Irving and about Kevin Durant that really frustrates the hell out of me is the anti-Rudy effect, right? It's the lack of capitalizing on these God-given gifts. And the miserable factor is a huge part of it. I'm supposed to feel bad for any of these dudes, including Kevin Durant. I'm supposed to pull my punches. I'm supposed to give him whatever credit he wants and deal with his, you know, burner account Twitter rants because he feels, you know, really angry and miserable all the time. I work for an actual, and to be fair, I don't actually work for a living. That's not true. I mean, I do. I work, I'm Peter Pan. I get to, fl- you know, flutter around Neverland here talking about sports. Those guys, I guess it's a bad analogy. I guess I'd be, who's the girl who gets picked up from the window? Wendy? That Is sounds that- right. It's been a while since I've seen Peter Pan. Not a big Peter Pan guy. All right, so I'm Wendy, unfortunately, in this analogy. I get to visit Neverland. Kevin Durant and these dudes are, are actually Peter Pan. They live there. They have magic powers. They fly around. It's pretty cool. They fight, you know, some enemy, but they always win. Life's good. Most people in the world, Diesel, are are earning a living, are working their tails off in this country to try and send their kids to college or try to retire, have some, you know, have a good life. 
And we live in the best country in the world, but it's not like it's easy. It's not like everything's rolled out. And Barkley and me just hit on, for all these guys, why just don't give a you-know-what when they're feeling sorry for themselves and they're put out and, and they're down and why can't I get all the accolades and all the praise and everything I want. Russell Westbrook, play better. Play better. Baker Mayfield, stop acting like you're a martyr for the human race and play better. Kevin Durant, just stay somewhere, man. Look, I got a rule in my personal life that I'm only going to two weddings of the same person. That's it. I'm only going to two. Now, most of the people, in fact, everybody that I'm close to is, except one dude, no, two, are in their original original marriages. So if my two other buddies, we'll name them Tom and Gary. It's not their names. If Tom and Gary get remarried, Tom, Gary, I'm there, guys. Number three, I'm out. I'm not going. I don't care. You're on your own. You're on your own. Kevin Durant's on team number three. It's I'm done caring about your struggles and your drama. Pick a place, bro. Barkley, Barkley nailed it. He's just a miserable dude. You gotta find some joy if you're gonna cut through the massive pressure that is professional sports. You gotta love what you do. And I understand that, that Durant loves basketball. Like he's a he loves to hoop. But he's unhappy in every other thing that he does. And Barkley to me hit on why I should and you should have zero sympathy for the guy. It's not our job to will Kevin Durant to appreciate his life. It's not our job to be like, man, that Jay Cutler guy, I know it's an old reference, but I hate him so much. He's the reason I hate the Bears. I liked the Bears before he showed up. And they weren't any good. They had the worst quarterback in history start in a Super Bowl. And I was like, all right, it's fine. It's cool. And then Jay Cutler showed up. Why do you look so uncomfortable? Jay Cutler, your uncle? No, no, not at all. I don't have any connection to Jay Cutler. Hate I don't him. I don't hate him as much as you do. Hate I him. don't I don't necessarily love or like Jay Cutler. Hate um him. but as time goes on, it's not subsiding for you whatsoever. I don't want to meet him though. I'm worried I'd really like him. I would just like I'm not sure what I would do. I'm you know, like, <laughs> oh man. Jay's a great guy. We got a with a beer and he's really funny. I just don't, I don't like the dude. Kevin Durant isn't going to be able to be happy anywhere if he can't find a way to be happy with himself and just appreciate what he's got. Barkley's on to something. Dude owned Oklahoma City. I did go down a lot and spent a lot of time around Durant during that run. They loved him there. All right, you don't want you want to move on. I got it. You can go to the Golden State Warriors. That literally is the best culture, at least in the NBA. It's in competition for the best culture in professional sports. And I don't mean best culture in the way that we used to talk about the Patriots way where it wasn't fun but it worked. I mean a combination of effective, as effective as you can be, the, the Warriors, and joyous. Guys love being in that locker room. You have a you have a co-partner, you have a co-star in Steph Curry who will bring you to glory and let you take all the keys. You can have the MVP, you can have the finals MVP, you can take more shots. Than I, do, cool, man, do your thing. And create massive space for you because of the gravity. Steve Kerr, people love playing for that guy. You can't be happy in Golden State. You can't be happy anywhere. All right, all right, you want your own thing. You want your own deal. You want to be the guy. You want to be able to set the terms of who you play with. You go to Brooklyn. It's exactly what you do, and you're miserable again. Man, it's on, it's on Kevin Durant. It's on Kevin Durant. 855-212-4CBS if you want to give us a call. Uh, we're going to get into Aaron Donald. Another one of these stupid fights at a practice that went way too far, and some photographic evidence to suggest Aaron Donald might have gotten himself in a whole bunch of trouble 
but for a loophole in the NFL's enforcement policies of joint practices. We'll do that, and we'll also address bicycle sidewalk gate next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. On this Friday, uh, Diesel, good morning. What's up, buddy? Good morning, Bill. How um how's the weekend? You've got a little bit of a holiday coming up. Taking I a few days do. off next week. I do, but I'm not looking ahead. I'm here. I'm focused on today's program. Well deserved. You guys are you guys doing anything exciting? Are you are you um are you going to any of your muscle man competitions? What's going on? Not this this week at all. That was that's a good guess by you. We're actually uh, we're traveling down to Virginia. We're gonna do a little beach trip. We're gonna get out of New Jersey. I thought you would be oh, proud of me. So you're not going to Jersey. No, we're getting out of New Jersey. So it's not the coast. Not the shore. Is it the same? Oh, sorry, the shore. Is it the same body of water? Uh, it sure is. How many miles are you from Jersey? In Virginia, you got to be, uh, I'm going to get laughed at here because I'm probably going to be so wrong. Um, I'm going to say 450. Let me ask you a question. Let's just say that you're on the border of New Jersey and whatever state borders New Jersey on the water. So you're on the shore when you're on the Jersey side, but if you walk three steps, say let's say south. Yeah, now you're at the beach. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't heard. make I the like rules, it. man. I don't make the rules. I just follow them. Uh, Cody, uh, Cody, Cody, I hope I don't mispronounce your name. Cody Peach just tweeted at us, sports writer and, and D-Cell CBS. Saw this and reminded me of yesterday's show. It's the it's it's a picture of Namba Bingo. Because I've never won bingo, and you like to play that rejoin <laughs> all the time. I'm scarred by that. Uh, Matt Rashford wrote it, wrote it too. Where do you guys stand regarding uh, people riding bicycles on sidewalks while others are walking hashtag social contract? This is actually a remarkable pet peeve for me. We're talking DH in the National League meltdown. And my wife is a, is a big bicyclist. Am I supposed to say bicyclist or bike rider? Because bikes sound like stew on the motorcycles. I think bicyclist is the, or, or cyclist, actually. I think it's cyclist. cyclist. Well done. Well done. Well done. All right. Let's just pedal onward here. Here's my thing. Pick a lane. Are you? This is the thing. So, yeah. So, bikes go on the sidewalk, and they're running. They're, like, running past people. Then they go on the road, and they're doing the arm thing where if they, if they put it straight out, it's left. And... And they're very aggressive about, I'm a bike. I've been at, like, major intersections in L.A. traffic. There's a bike between me and a car. And I'm like, oh, and we'll get over Like, oh, my God, it's going so slow, can't have the light. But then at the same time, if a bike, if a, I'm sorry, if a cyclist comes to a red light, no, they, just blo- they just blow through the red light. Are you a pedestrian transportation system or are you a vehicle? Which are you? Make, pick a lane and get off the sidewalk. Can't this, do it. This is really twofold for me. To your point, I feel like if you were to poll all the cyclists out there and say, which one are you, we're not going to get the same answer. Are you a vehicle? Are you a pedestrian? You have to pick. And I feel like the cycling community are not all aligned on this. They want to be whatever they feel like being that particular moment. I live in a part of L.A. There's this thing called... um. I don't know what it's called, but it's called the Strand of Manhattan Beach, right? It is a it is a sidewalk for pedestrians that's basically on the sand. And it goes miles. It's really cool. We'll, we'll drive down there. We'll go down there. We'll hang out. And then there's a bicycle part of it. There's an, a part. It's literally, it touches the sand, so it's very pretty, and it's for bikes. And it goes miles. And I'll be, dry, I'll be commuting, 
and I'll be on the road that is above this. It's a road, and there will be guys on bicycles who are pedaling really furiously, and it takes 30 minutes to go anywhere because they're, they're slow, and they're next to the bike thing, and they won't get on the, get on the bike thing. <laughs> That's what it's there for. I'm not driving my car on your bike road over there. I'm staying where I belong. I really feel, pisses me off. I feel like this is really twofold. Now, in, in bigger cities, the sidewalk issue with bikes is a big, big problem. Most of the people are just trying to get to work or you got, uh, you know, making food deliveries. I get it. We all got places to be, but there's designations for where you should be. Yeah. If I'm walking, I get the sidewalk. If you are on a bike, you get the bike lane. And guess what? There are bike lanes that tell yes. you which direction you need to be going. You can't choose. You can't say, I'm going down this road. I'm going this direction. That's not how it works either. I, are you intentionally taking a shot at Michael Samter from the Maggie and Perloff show? Do you know this story? Maybe. Maybe. And by Great maybe, story. I mean yes. Samter once was, was coming down a New York street really fast in the bike lane. Only he was they're one-way streets going the wrong way. And I think somebody grabbed him off his bike, right? Somebody assaulted him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That happened. Yeah. I remember he told me the story. I'm like, are you okay? What happened? And afterwards, I go, bro, you can't be assaulted. You, but you also can't be going the wrong way on the bike lane. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. You got to be going the right direction. Right. And it's twofold for me because out in suburbia, there's another cyclist problem. But okay. it's different than the sidewalks. In suburbia, I've noticed there's there's people riding their bikes and they're acting like they're preparing for the Tour de France, and they oh, yeah. want they they want to be a vehicle. They want to be right in the middle of the road. Oh, yeah, I I can't get around you though. There's no space. That's what am not I yeah. I should do those are the bike. Those are the cyclists I'm often talking about. They got the spandex. They got the helmets. They're over the top of it. But then, so this this is this is, I'm gonna lose my mind. They're they're in the they're in the road. To, you're, you're exactly what you're describing. It takes 20 minutes to get to a light. Traffic's backed up. Then they go around all the cars and go through the red light. It makes no sense. You have to choose. At that moment, you are in the middle of the road. You are a vehicle. And can I say something that's probably a little mean? Yeah, I uh, like it when you're mean. It's rare. When my wife, Mrs. Diesel, is in the car with me, she may or may not holler at these people from the window and say, get a Peloton. With the window down? Yeah, so that they're not on the road uh, bothering us. Is Mrs. Diesel, Mrs. Diesel, if you're listening, I want to encourage this behavior, and I want you to bring it up a few levels because you <laughs> writing checks that your husband's body may, can, may, can may maybe can't cash, cash, no way, is is the kind of thing that is great for for content. <laughs> when you come in with the two black eyes, and I say what happened, and you say, "Well, Mrs. Diesel rolled down the window." That's the story that I need. <laughs> Although cyclists, they don't, you know, they're not really larger people normally. They're sweating. They're, they're sweating all the time riding their bikes. We just talked about Durant. By the way, we have a lot of listeners who probably are cyclists and are like, "This is some hot garbage." You yeah, they're probably not a big fan two, of one, us two, right two, now. Two one two four CBS. Maybe I just have the wrong ones. There's also a lot of Durant like rage. You know what? When I see a cyclist who, who, as you said, I love this. I love this image. Then when they're when they're preparing for the Tour de France, and. I can't get where I'm going. I feel like Aaron Donald yesterday swinging the two helmets. Doesn't make it okay. I don't know if you saw this story. Huge fight. Bengals-Rams. Joint practice. And you're talking like punches thrown. Not the scuffling and I'm going to push you and you're going to push me and we both weigh 300 pounds. It's all going to be okay. Fake sumo wrestling. 
actual fight, actual brawl, and a, a local reporter got photos. It, it really, it's it's kind of hard to be decisive, but it's it certainly looks to me, Diesel, like Aaron Donald has two opponents' helmets in his hands and is swinging them like a weapon. And the the problem with that is, and here's the loophole that protects him, unfortunately. And we'll get in about 15 minutes to to a similar loophole that protects someone who's who's alleged to do something much, much, much more serious and much more, you know, worthy of, of scrutiny. But the NFL, through its own rules and policies, does not enforce behavior that goes down in practices. That's to the team, just as they don't college behavior, which will bring us to the the allegations against the Bills punter here in about about 10 or 15 minutes. But the Rams aren't going to you know, a you knew that they weren't going to punish. They're not going to punish Aaron Donald. They're their most important player, maybe outside of the quarterback, and pro- maybe just in general. Certainly on that level, quarterback of their defense, best defensive player in the game, huge part of the reason they're they're the reigning Super Bowl champions. And you kind of knew that from McVay's thing afterwards, like, oh, it's you know, it's not a big deal. It's, you know, it's, it's all over, and guys get mad. But here's the thing: if the NFL isn't going to, if they're not going to have the guts and the stones to put them in a position where they have jurisdiction over this. And you're going to get to the point where one of the most important stars in the NFL is swinging helmets. You land that helmet on a guy without a helmet on, you are talking about felony assault. Potentially, you're talking about, at best, a horrific, horrific PR nightmare. The NFL has either got to put themselves in a position just so the threat of punishment stops this behavior or end joint practices. And what is the benefit of a joint? Every time there's some stupid fight at a joint practice, I wonder, what is the point of this? I understand you want guys. I get it. I get the whole, you're trying to ramp up. What's the best way to simulate the intensity level leading into the regular season, actually counting so the guys are are game ready? It's not a preseason game. Why don't we do a practice where guys get a little angry, a little edgy, and that brings up the intensity level? But why do you want to risk guys throwing shots? If a guy is willing to swing a helmet at another dude, he's certainly willing to do a chop block or something dirty on the field and hurt a guy. It's not. It's just not worth it. And you're the Rams. Hell, you're both these teams that are Super Bowl contenders, and certainly, certainly were last year. Maybe if you have a young team, and deep down you know you're in rebuilding mode, and you want to get the guys a little experience and a little fighting spirit, and it doesn't really matter if you lose somebody because you're going to win four games anyway. Okay, maybe, maybe. Also, nobody cares about those teams. The limit. If you're the if you're Houston, for example, who cares? It's the Rams, man. It's a really good football team. And, and, and by the way, we get into, I was thinking, it's the exact same thing we talked about on Durant. Not being happy at the job impacts performance at the job. And remember, Aaron Donald went through this whole, like, I might retire, and he got more money, and was it a ploy, and that was sort of the 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 universal view, and I bought into it. But but yesterday's thing made me rethink this. And I don't know, I don't know about you, D-Cell. I, I've, I've changed jobs a lot, right? I've been... I've had jobs all over the place with all kinds of people. And I've had jobs that I hated. Not many. I've been really lucky. But I can think of two jobs that I that I just that I hated. That I had to be in for, you know, support my family and another job I was under contract and I had to sort of see it through. And what to whatever degree I'm good or bad at my job, it depends who you ask, you know, these days, you know, out in the world. But I was worse at it. Much worse in the jobs that I, I didn't want to be at. When you don't want to be there, everything becomes harder, and you make people around you miserable, and you're miserable. And I wonder if Aaron Donald's flirtation with 
retirement wasn't more about the fact he's just over football. There's nothing wrong with that. You're you're conditioned if you're in this job, if you're in most businesses, certainly if you're in sports, you got to love the game, and you should. But these guys do this sport their entire life, and I know a lot of athletes. I know a lot of Hall of Fame-level guys. I know a couple guys that are in Hall of Fames who don't like their sport, and I would never out them publicly, and they make money still doing their thing, and they're very, they don't like their sports. They got burned out. It happens. I know a bunch of guys who do broadcast. That's where I know people who play sports who are like, you know, on-air broadcasters who don't like this, who, who the moment they retired, I can think of two guys in particular, well-known, who never played their sport again. Think about, like, you're spending your entire life playing golf or tennis or soccer or football or basketball or hockey. Every day of your life defines you. Every day going back to probably your, what, five or six or seven years old, and it becomes increasingly more part of your identity as the years go by, and it becomes a thing that allows you to make your living and have a pretty good life, and the day that you're not being, you're just, you never do it again. That strikes me as an Aaron Donald's place after the fight yesterday, because that rage and that anger, that could be wrong. I don't know, I wasn't there. But it sure seems like D-Cell, a guy who, who just is not in a happy place, not a happy, not a happy camper. And look, I'm not making excuses for picking up not one but two helmets and swinging at another human being, but Aaron Donald's human. I mean, you know, we didn't really buy the retirement talk over the offseason, but if it was real, um, what makes him any different than any of us? If he was going to check out from what he's done for nearly a decade, he's just like everybody else at their job. You, you have you, human emotions. It's natural. Yep. Doing Sports Talk Radio is, um, it's I love it. And every time I, I meet somebody, and I meet a bunch of new people playing because I play all these tennis leagues, what do you do for a living? I try to be like, oh, I'm in sports media. And most people are like, oh, cool. But some people are like, what, what does that mean? All right, I, host a, I, host a, I host a radio show. And the number of people, it's almost universal. Like, you're so lucky. It's so incredible. It's so amazing. That must not be like work. And it's a, yeah, you know, it's yes and no, right? Like, what we do for a living is, is incredible. Like, I get to talk about sports. It's awesome. I get it. I know I'm lucky. I understand that. But you and I know a lot of people, generally in the radio world, who have just, people have body slammed co-hosts. Um, a guy that I know once in Kansas City uh, just had a daily show, just, like, came on the show. It's like, I hate this place. I hate, it just got up and walked out on the air. <laughs> like, people do have dream jobs and then just melt down. And are just over it. And I, I hope that's not Aaron Donald's situation. Like Charles Barkley so astutely, I think, pegged what's going on with Kevin Durant. Because if it is, the Rams are in trouble. Championship hangover, bad. Yeah, sure. A guy that doesn't want to be there is poisonous to himself and to his team. So I hope Aaron Donald was just mad as hell about something else. I hope he was on the way to work and a bunch of guys thinking they're training for the Tour de France like made him late and he was raging at the cyclists out there. And, and that's what's going on. And not that he doesn't want to be a football player anymore. Because, look, I, guy wants to be with his family. Guy's in physical pain. Guy's accomplished everything. That's especially the position he plays and the way that he plays it. If Aaron Donald doesn't want to be there, that would be a miserable reality. That is a physical, painful excursion. you got to buy into the pain. You just do. All right. Um, we're going to turn our attention to something ugly, which is always hard to talk about. But... I'm not going to ignore this this Matt Ariza story. This is the dude drafted, Ariza, excuse me, this Matt Ariza story. This is the dude drafted as a remarkably talented punter by the Bills. Uh, the punt god is his nickname. And 
it's always hard to talk about accusations because they're accusations. We don't know what happened. But there's a accusation. If you have kids in the car, maybe this is the moment. I'll give you like a little delay here to turn it down or just you know come back in 15 seconds. But uh, Ariza has been accused, along with two other then teammates at his at his university in San Diego at his school of gang rape of a of a 17 year old. And the details are awful, and we're not going to hide from it, even though it's hard to know what actually happened. So we will we will get into that story. And I think the thing for me that's really troubling about what we do know and what based on that you, you, the Bills could have done. We'll 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 get into that here on the show. It's rather than you. After we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Peter Schwartz. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. Thank you for being here. Here's the deal. I think right and wrong still matter. I know it's easier for us than it used to be, unfortunately, to, to disagree on, on what we think the basic premise of something being right or wrong is. But I'm not going to ignore talking about the allegations that are out there when they're worthy of some time and some attention, even though it's really hard to do. Matt Ariza is a really talented punter out of San Diego State University, which, as you probably know, has a a pretty solid reputation for its size as a football program and producing some NFL talent that that has gone out, out into the world, including Kirk Morrison, who's a friend of the show and is on the show on a regular basis. This dude had a and I was I was off that day, but I think it was an eighty yard was eighty yard punt in the preseason. He he lives up to and exceeds the normal rule don't reach for a punter. Don't draft a punter. Don't waste your your opportunity to get, you know, some warm body in the NFL draft for, for a punter. This guy's really talented. And before the accusations of sexual assault that we're going to get into here, I can't remember the last time there was a special teams player who was this interesting for a reason that was positive. There was that poor kid whose name I can't even remember that got drafted by Tampa Bay years ago in the second or third round who got the yips because that's how unprecedented and frowned upon it is to spend that kind of talent on a guy who does that? And this is a punter. This guy didn't score points. Roberto Aguayo is the name. Diesel whispered in my ear. But the, the story turned dark. Uh, there is an accusation of sexual assault, of gang rape, by Matt Ariza, the Bills punter, and two former teammates According to the accusation, now this is a civil lawsuit, which means that the alleged victim, the person alleging that they were assaulted, is suing Ariza. Okay? Her name has not been released, and the allegations are that she was a 17-year-old who went to a party, I think at Ariza's house. She was under the age of consent, by the way. And according to the allegations, she was given a drink. She doesn't remember who poured the drink. She then was in and out of consciousness. And according to the allegation, again, this is really ugly stuff. If you have kids, I'm sorry. that Please give you a warning last. I should have done it again. Just, just come back. Turn the, you know, turn on, turn the, turn the volume down. Not appropriate for kids. Um, this young, this young girl is alleged to have uh, been sexually assaulted by by these three people repeatedly for an hour and a half until the party 
ended, and her claim is that um, is that she came in and out of consciousness to know sort of what was happening. And again, this is really ugly stuff. Please, if you have kids in the car, t- turn the car off. But she had some, um, like a lot of people do, she had some um, piercings that were alleged to have been ripped out during these things, and, and, and so some, some physical assault and injury as well. And I know that in the conversations about sexual assault in the culture, it is frowned upon to, to say, oh, I have a daughter, and therefore I understand, because I do have a daughter. That's not what I'm saying. But I read this this morning. I read the story, the details. And the first thing I thought to myself was, I have got to have an, you know, a conversation with my own kid at some point about, about just the dangers of the world. And that probably sh- shouldn't make me more or less inclined to believe or not believe the allegations of an anonymous 17-year-old. Because, look, if you're a 17-year-old girl, you're a high school kid, and you go to a college party, and you have a drink, and this happens to you, if I'm the parent, I'm suing the hell out of whoever did it, and I'm doing everything in my power to destroy their livelihood, their life, their rep- vengeance, right? Like, anger would motivate me. You know, moral, not moral, part of my religious framework or not, good or bad, that, that's where I'm going. And I, there's no way in hell I'm putting my, my, my child's name on that I, I'm not. I'm not. So that, to me, like the anonymous nature of this and the fact that there might be monetary damages and the fact that, that, that Ariza is well-paid and handsomely paid and could be very rich and famous um, has no bearing on whether it's true or not. I also recognize that, if, that, that there are people who will seek to make allegations against people that are false. George Foreman today also has accusations of sexual abuse by two people who claim that when they were young, he groomed them, and then when they were 15, 16 years old, they had encounters that were varying degrees of of, um, of assault. Awful, by the way, including the allegations. And he's being sued. I, and I, again, I don't know the, the truth there. Um, but the fact that, but again, like the fact that he's, that someone's wealthy, the fact that someone has money, the fact that um, that there's a payday, uh, as a father, right, because this is a young person, I would imagine whose parents have taken the lead on this if, as a 17-year-old when, when this was alleged to have, have, have happened a, a year ago, not even a year ago. So maybe October 17, 2021 is the alleged date of this. I, I don't care that there's money involved. It doesn't mean I know. I don't know who's telling the truth. I, that's always going to be the truth. That's always going to be the, the answer. But as part of the lawsuit, it is stated that she went to the police and was coached by the police into having conversations with Ariza as a means of getting evidence that this occurred. And we don't know a lot of the details here, but we have seen in the past, this was arranged by detectives, law enforcement, we've seen in the past, this is an effective way for the police to verify. It's not the same thing as finding somebody guilty. Oh, okay, the allegation is legitimate, it's totally true, and we're going we're gonna to follow this. All right, so what does it all mean? It means there's some ugliness, there's allegations that are serious, and there's the involvement of and the strategy of law enforcement officials who deem this significantly possibly true enough that it's worthy of their time and attention. And the Bills knew about this accusation a month ago, and they cut the punter who was the other option. So this whole, like, we're gathering fact statement that they put out, we're, we're trying to figure it out, to me is, is, is somewhat garbage. I'm not advocating yet, although I'd certainly lean that way with enough evidence, that the guy should be out of a job or, or his career should be ruined. But I'm certainly saying maybe hang on to another punter and not play this guy. At a minimum, put him on some kind of a hold if the accusations seem to possibly be true. According to the lawsuit, 
when a call came into Ariza from the alleged victim, arranged by these detectives, that Ariza said that, that he had sex with this person and she should be tested for STDs. And that when asked a more direct question about whether they had engaged in sexual contact, it's again, according to the, the suit and per the detective's request, according to the suit, he changed his tones and said he didn't remember anything that had happened that night. She was underage. It's very complicated. But the level of abuse that is alleged, the fact the police are involved, and the fact that there is at least some, we don't have all the details, it'll come out, I would imagine, there is out there in the world some kind of recording of a phone call involving him, for me, is enough that I am uncomfortable with this guy. And the the fact the Buffalo Bills are like, full steam ahead, he's the punter, we're not even going to have a backup, that's the issue. I'm not saying this is easy, and I'm not making a declarative statement about what should or shouldn't happen. But, if this allegation is true, and this is a civil suit, right? It's a different standard. Just like it is at work. I hate when people pretend that the standard at work for punishment is the same as going to prison. There's a higher level for prison because the government's ability to take away your freedom is a big deal. But if this allegation seems to be true enough down the line, this guy should not be in the National Football League. He shouldn't be. And I'm not sure shame on the Buffalo Bills, but but maybe. The fact that they're, that they're just full team. They knew about these allegations a month ago. Again, I can't give you a conclusive statement. I understand that. But I'm also not going to pretend these stories don't exist when they butt up against the sports world. I'm just not. So when as this story plays out, we're going to give you some info. I know it's a bummer. I know it's a downer. But think about that poor family if the allegations are true. All right. Let's turn our attention back to a less awful part of sports, the main part of sports. Uh, we'll talk some hoops. Kurt Hill and our buddy from, from Pro Basketball Talk, including Russell Westbrook's possible banishment from the Lakers next year on CBS Sports Radio.